This is a story of a man and a woman who lived in a beautiful garden. It's a story of a snake who tricked mankind for thousands of years. It's a story of God and his promises. It's the story of one who's coming back to crush the head of the snake. And to give us that home we once had, we might have forgotten, lost. Biggest story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of heaven. God called the space sky. Evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening passed, and the morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, a larger one to govern the day and a smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the sea. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. 
Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Welcome everybody to 2023. You know, last weekend I remarked about how glad I was to be leaving 2022. In fact, some of you who were uh, live with me, uh, you clapped and smiled and cheered as well. So I get a feeling that there are a whole lot of us that are glad to be leaving 2022, moving into 2023, but I've got some bad news for you. According to the prognosticators, they are predicting that 2023 may not be any better than last year. In fact, it might be worse economically and politically and socially and with the virus and with Russia and Ukraine and all the other countries and the upheaval that we see. And, you know, sometimes when that kind of washes over you, especially when you're here in Minnesota, if you are in Minnesota joining me, it's been kind of, it's been a lot of snow, a lot of cold, a lot of gloom, a lot of gray lately it can just kind of overwhelm you and you begin to wonder, man, is there any good news anymore? And I want to answer that by reminding you that, yes, there is good news. And that good news, listen, has always been with us. It's just that we, we get overwhelmed by all the bad news that's fed here in our Western culture, that's fed to us 24-7 by the news stream. It just seems like People want to talk about everything that's negative and everything that's bad that's that's going on, and I don't I don't want to um, ignore that or pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not saying that as we go into this next year, we should just stick our head in the sand and pretend, you know, like Pollyanna said, everything is great around us. Um, even Jesus acknowledged that this world is evil in John chapter seven verse seven. He said the world is evil. What he meant by that is. It's evil because people behave in an evil way and they behave in an evil way because they go against God and his word and his creation and his design. And that's not how God wants us to be. And the reality is, the, the truth is, we need to remember that um, God, God's great story that we're looking at in these next several seasons is just full of good news. This is a good news story from Genesis to Revelation that, that we're looking at together. And in that good news story, we are told that human beings mess things up. Okay, I admit that. We all admit that. It is a messy world. But God never has given up on us. And he never ever planned to. God in his love has come into our world to rescue us and to restore us, and to renew us. And guess what? Someday he's going to remake this whole universe, and he's going to remake you and me. Are you ready for a remake? <laughs> I am. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, what I want you to understand is that God has invited you and me, and we see it in the book of Genesis, God's invited you and me to join him in continuing his creative process of rescuing 
and restoring the hearts and lives of people. Now, you may know that. You may be nodding your head right now and in agreement with that. But let's just be really honest for a moment, okay? I, I find that there are a lot of us, and I include myself because I, I, I find myself doing this once in a while, who are ready to wash our hands of this world. I, I hear a lot of people speak in a way as though they have given up on the world, and I can understand why. It's like it is, it is beyond the, the point of, of uh, uh, you know, no return. It's, it's just never going to get better again. And the mindset is to hunker down and circle the wagons and just kind of grin and bear it till Jesus comes or we die and we go to be with him in heaven someday. Well, listen, that does not agree with God's mandate in creation. You know, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, God's design for them and their children, for humanity, was that we would partner with God in caring for his creation and in continuing to create from his creation. It was God's idea is that there would be a partnership involved here. And yes, I know, I know human beings rebelled and we ruined that partnership by our, our sinful behavior and the mess that we've created. But listen carefully, God still wants you and me as he rescues us, as he restores us spiritually. He still wants us to be involved with him in caring for creating hope that will rescue and restore his creation. When I say his creation, I don't mean the environment, though that's important to God. I'm talking about his human creation. I'm talking about the people you live with, the people you work with, the people who are around us, those that we know, and even those that we don't know. So in that sense, what God is calling you and me as believers to do is to become like him. Now, I did not say to become him, okay? There's only one God, and you and I, were not him, all right? God has always been and always will be. He's the creator. We are simply the creation. But in this partnership that was intended before the fall of human beings, when they rebelled, and is still intended today, God does want us to become like him. In Leviticus chapter 19, in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2, he said to his people, he says, here's my command, I am holy, you be holy. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, we need to imitate God. Now, how do you do that? We certainly can't do it in our own flesh. It, we need God to help us do that. We need God to actually come into our lives and take us over, and that's what happens when we accept Christ. The Spirit of God comes into us. And then progressively, until we die, we have the opportunity to become more and more and more like Christ as we surrender more and more of ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So in 2023, will you partner with God? Will you join God in becoming more like His Son who the Bible tells us in the book of Colossians and other places, is the one through whom God created all these things, and he's the one who holds all these things together. He is the word of God in the flesh. Will we join him? Will, be, will we become like him to the world that's around us, to those who are around us? You say, well, you know, how does that work? How does that, how does that actually 
take place. Well, let's, let's talk about that. I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 and just two verses and focus on a couple of phrases. Here's where it is. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, now God's creating, right? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. I want to focus on the phrase, and God said. So that's God's spoken word. The other phrase is, let there be, and there was. So God says something, and then something happens as a result of it. And then God looks at it, and he says, it was good. Now, in that is this creative partnership that God is calling you and me to. Let me see if I can if I can explain it. When God speaks, what happens there in Genesis? When God speaks, all of a sudden you go from chaos to the beauty of the cosmos. You go from disorder to order. You go from darkness to light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the surface of the deep. I just love how that sounds. And then God speaks and all of that begins to change. The same thing is true today. Whenever God speaks through his word, you open the word of God up, it it changes you. If you accept it, if you receive it, it brings order and hope and light into your life and into your family, and into your relationships. It's only when we go against God's design, it's only when we go against God's word that we experience what, you know, Jesus talked about in John 7, evil and chaos and disorder and all the things that we have in our world today. And I just love the fact that Genesis, you can can just see the theme of Genesis all the way through in the New Testament when Jesus comes He's the what? The word of God, right? When Jesus comes, what does he do? He speaks hope into people's lives. When Jesus comes, it says that he was light into darkness. And he brought sight so that people could see. That's a picture of the church. That's a picture of you and me. That's how we are involved still with God in his creative activity. So listen, number one, we become the most like God when we allow his word to influence and govern our words that we speak out to others. That just as God's word is creative, so are our words when our words are guided by his word, when we speak his word, his his truth. You know, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 tells us that that the power of the power of life and death, or, or life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. James tells us in the New Testament how powerful the little tongue is. He says, you know, it's like a it's like the small rudder on a large ship, it steers where it goes. It's like a it's like a match that starts a fire and sets the whole force of the whole world on fire. The tongue blesses God, and he says, we turn around with the same tongue, we curse people. Tongue is powerful. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me was a liar. Most of the pain I've experienced in my life has not been physical pain. It's been the pain of words, harsh words, untrue words, cutting words, demeaning words. 
have been spoken to me as a child or even as an adult, then listen, I'm sorry to say that some of the most painful words that I've had to experience in my life have come from other believers. And I need to own up and be honest. I am sure my words at times have been very hurtful toward others as well, whether it's in my marriage or my family or in other kinds of relationships. None of us is perfect. All of us know the pain of words, whether spoken to us and hurting us, or we've been the ones who delivered those painful words toward others. But words can be so good. Words can be so powerful. You ever thought about the words of Jesus? Take a gospel, a short gospel if you want, like Mark sometime, and just read it through and pay attention to his words. I, I just looked at what the words of Jesus did when he was here on earth. His words healed, his words delivered, his words comforted, his words raised the dead to life again, his words forgave, his words gave hope, his words challenged, but always with the hope of, of bringing people into a closer walk. You know, his harsh words, the Pharisees were, were meant to convict them and show them their sins, they could repent and know the love and grace of God. What do your words do? How do you use your words. You know, there's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul says, he says, speak the truth in love. Now, in the context there, it, it can apply to discipline and correction. But, but listen, it, it, it's more than just discipline and correction. You know, we speak words that praise, right? We should be, and encourage and lift up. And there are times when we need to speak words that confront, that discipline, that challenge. But Paul says, whenever we speak the truth, he says, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. In other words, speak like Jesus. He always spoke the truth in love, whether he was praising or he was correcting. Does that sound like you? I came across a biblical counselor. Her name is Susan Heck. And um, she wrote a little article about where and how we should speak the truth in love. And I thought it was really good. She mentioned, first of all, the first place we need to learn to speak the truth in love is to ourselves. And uh, all of us talk to ourselves, whether we want to admit it or not. And you know, a lot of our self-talk is pretty negative. It's pretty harsh. And it's influenced by, by how we think others perceive us. So if you have been in an environment where people's perception of you have been harsh and critical and negative, you tend to talk to yourself that way. And by the way, how you tend to talk to yourself is how then you talk to others. How you treat yourself is how you treat others. And I understand that we have failures and we blow it. I'm one of the hardest people on myself. I've really struggled with a lot of negative self-talk my whole life. And it just didn't feel right for me to ever say something to myself that was good, that was loving, that was positive, until I really began to study grace. And I began to see myself through the lens of God's eyes. You know, if anybody has a right to speak harshly to me, it's God. But you know what? He speaks lovingly. He speaks truthfully in love toward me. And that's how he speaks toward you. So maybe in 2023, you need to lighten up on yourself. Instead of reminding yourself of all your failures, remind yourself of all that God has done for you. Remind yourself that you've been forgiven. Remind yourself that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you. All that matters is what God thinks of you, and he thinks you're perfect. 
in Christ his son. Another place that Susan says we need to think about speaking the truth in love is in our homes. Wow. <laughs> That's like a whole series of messages there. You know, the talk in our homes these days, I'm not sure in a lot of homes. It's very positive. It's very uplifting. It's very truthful. It's very loving. Parents, how do you speak to your kids? Especially when, you know, they're not behaving real well or you're tired, you're exasperated. Kids, how do you speak to your parents? Spouses, how do you speak to each other? Roommates, how do you speak to each other? In 2023, I want to challenge you. Ask God to give you the grace to speak words that edify and encourage. And when you got to speak hard and tough words, ask God to help you do it with the humility of Galatians 6.1, knowing your own faults, speaking truth in love. And maybe even today, some of us need to go home and we need to apologize and say, you know what? I have not spoken. I've just not been speaking in grace to you. And I can see, and I can see why. And I'll explain what I mean in a moment. The other place we need to learn to speak the truth and love is in the church <laughs> when we're together. Christians sometimes, man, our tongues are so sharp and so painful. You know, the greatest hurt I've experienced in my life has not come by way of physical pain. It's come by verbal pain. And I have to admit, I've dished it out as much as I probably have received it. Maybe in 2023, we need to just make up our minds. If I can't say something positive, encouraging, or I need to say something that's challenging, if I can't say it in the spirit of love, I'm going to keep my mouth shut until I can get to that place. Last but not least, the place that we need to learn to speak the truth and love is in our hostile world, she says. And boy, that's true. Now, here's what I meant earlier. You and I are inundated, and especially these last couple of years, by so much what I call mean, nasty talk. We've heard it from politicians. We've heard it from the celebrities. We've heard it from people around all sides of masks and vaccines and, you know, political parties. And it's just gotten brutal. And unfortunately, it's made its way into, into the mouths and the hearts and the minds of Christians. And it's like, it's like we've looked at certain people and decided, you know, that I'm on their side or they represent who I am. And, and we start imitating how they speak when we're supposed to be imitating Christ. I want to leave 2022 and the years prior behind. I don't want to speak like the culture. I don't want to speak like a politician. I don't want to speak like a celebrity. I don't want to speak in a way that hurts. I can have my own opinions. I can have my own convictions. But when I'm speaking, I need to speak the truth in love. Will you join me in doing that this year? I hope you will. Now, there's a second way that when we look at Genesis that God creates, it's not just in what he says, but notice that when he speaks, things happen. That, that is, it's in his willing, it's in his activities. The second way we become like God is when we turn our God-inspired words into action. T.S. Eliot said something like this. He said, between the imagination and the act, excuse me, between the imagination and the act falls the shadow. And I think here's what he meant. How many of you have come up with New Year's resolutions for this year? Many of us do, at least in our minds, right? Um, I, I did a little bit of research and found out what are the most common resolutions that people make each year. And here's what they were. Exercise more, lose weight, get better organized, learn new skills or a new hobby, um, 
live life more fully, save more money, quit smoking, spend more time with family. Did you resonate with any of those? Maybe one or two of those is kind of your resolution or your silent resolution this year. Well, guess what? What percent of people do you think actually follow through and complete their resolutions? I hate to tell you this, according to statistics, 9%. In fact, by February, 43% of us are so frustrated by our inability to stick to our resolutions that we just give up on the whole thing. Can you imagine if God was that way? That would be a disaster. When God speaks, God also acts. He doesn't just have great ideas. He didn't just think about creating. He did it. God said, let it be, and it was so. I want that to be true for you and me. God wants that to be true for you and me. That our, our words will turn into actions. That we, will, that we will commit to living in such a way that our actions toward others brings change into their lives. And here's one of the ways in 2023 that you, can, you and I can become like God. Here's one of the ways that we can actively please God and bring miraculous change into his creation. I want to read to you what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus was asked the question, what's the most important commandment? And he responded this way. He said, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself in 2023 that we will actively love God with every fiber of our being. And listen, that we will actively love each other whenever the opportunity presents itself. It is true, our actions speak louder than our words. How in 2023 are you going to actively demonstrate God's love to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your friends, to your family? to strangers, listen, even to your enemies. One of the ways we can bring hope to this world, one of the ways we can change this world is through loving actions. And you know, oftentimes we'll look to the church. Well, what is the church doing? What could I get involved with? Well, go to our website. There are many ways you can get involved with the church in acting out God's love here, near, and far. I just wish, though, we would start with the people God's put around us. And you and I can do that. The other day I was out shoveling snow, all right, believe it or not, here in Minnesota. And uh, I've been shoveling snow at the end of my driveway. The plow went around and just made this huge bank of snow. And I looked across the street, and, and there's a neighbor there, and we've had a hard time connecting with them. Try, but it's just... They're a lot younger than us with kids, and we just, for whatever reason, haven't been able to connect it. And there she was, and I was watching her try, because her husband wasn't home. I was watching her try to clear out the same kind of berm that the plow had created in front of her driveway. And the thought came to my mind, go over there and do it. And so I picked up my shovel, and I walked over, and I didn't say anything to her. I just started shoveling. And she looked at me, kind of stunned. She knew I was a neighbor, and she goes, 
I can't believe you're doing this. Thank you so much. I said, well, I could tell it was really bothering your back. And there's a lot of snow here. I said, it's good exercise for me. And then I said this to her. I said, you don't need to thank me. It's an honor to be able to help you. Now, unless you think I'm just patting myself on the back and saying, look at me, <laughs> I could tell you about all the times I saw my neighbor's driveways full, could have gone over their shovel and didn't. But in 2023, I want God to help me be more active in showing and demonstrating his love. How about you? Honestly, through acts of kindness, we've talked about this before, we can change our family, our neighborhood, our environment, and the world if God's church would just act out in love. Last but not least, the last phrase, and he saw and it was good. I love that. You know, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to look and see, and it's bad. And I think that's because that's how the culture conditions us. That's how the media conditions us, to see everything that's bad. Uh, the, the late uh, chief rabbi of Britain, his name is Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, wrote something about this, and I want to read it to you. It's so powerful. He said, to see that someone is good and to say so is a creative act. One of the great creative acts, in fact. There may be some few individuals who are inescapably evil, but they are few. Within almost all of us is something positive and unique, but which is all too easily injured and which only grows when exposed to the sunlight of someone else's recognition and praise. To see the good in others and let them see themselves in the mirror of our regard is to help someone grow to become the best they can be. That is so true. And that is so Jesus. When Jesus looked at people, he, he had x-ray vision. He could see all their foibles, all their problems. But you know what? He saw what they could be if they encountered God's love. He looked at Peter and he said, you're a rock. And remember, Peter denied him. But Jesus spoke words, creative words of life and hope. Jesus acted toward him in actions of life and hope. And, and Jesus brought out of Peter a changed man. Jesus looked at Matthew and saw a tax collector, which others hated and saw as hopeless. And Jesus saw that he could be apostle and write the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus said, come and follow me and had dinner with Matthew and a bunch of sinners. I mean, look at Jesus. He spoke words of creativity, acted toward him in actions of love. He saw what he could be and he brought it out of him. Or the woman caught in adultery. Or the paralyzed man that was lowered in front of Jesus. When Jesus looked at people, he saw what their greatest need was. He then spoke words of life into them. He then acted in life-giving ways toward them. And he called out of them a change. When I look at my life and I think about where I was and where I am today, I want you to know it's all by the grace of God, but listen carefully. I wouldn't be here today, I know that for a fact, if God had not used people's words and people's actions and what people could see in me that I could not see in myself, to bring me to where I am today. My wife, some very dear friends in my life, a coach I had in high school. I mean, I could go on down the list. 
There is a lot working against me. If you haven't read my book, Reset, you'll find my story there. And in that story, I try to lay out for you how God used others in a dramatic way to, in a sense, recreate me, renew me, rescue me, restore me, and put me on the right path. I want to be that for others. I want you to be that for others. Let's join God in his creation. Thank you, Father, for this time together. God, as we, as we leave and perhaps reread Genesis again, Lord, I just pray that we would commit to partnering with you in 2023, joining you in your big story of rescue and restoration, doing for others what you've done for us, enacting, Lord, those creative words that are going to bring life into people, those creative actions of love, oh God, that are are just going to overwhelm people because they're going to see the love of God at work in us and through us. And Lord, would you help us to see not what's wrong with people, but what could be right with them if they truly knew how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.